this weekend, take a pad and pencil, go somewhere quiet, turn off the devices and brainstorm what I call the 20 facts of you, the 20 accomplishments. I don't care if they're, you know, you were eight and you had a lemonade stand Mm -hmm. and, you know, wow, you learned you could sell. I don't care. It's what you are most proud of. I want you then to dimensionalize. How would you make that happen? What are the skills and talents that you have that someone else may not have in that way that comes together, together and coalesces? Those are the skills that you want to leverage because they also bring you joy and pride. We've got a very exciting guest on this month's podcast episode. It's none other than Kathy Caprino. She's a top-ranked career leadership coach, senior Forbes contributor, TEDx speaker, LinkedIn influencer, and the host of the Finding Brave podcast which is ranked in the top 100 Apple career podcasts in the U.S. and beyond. Kathy's mission is to support the advancement and success of women in business around the globe. One of the things I really admire about Kathy since the first time we met is she's just a present person. You don't run to people too often like this, where when you're with them, it seems like everything and everyone else fade away and you become more to the forefront. You know, in my captivating interview with Kathy, she opens up about her personal journey, delves into the concept of leaving a profound legacy, and sheds light on the prevalent power gaps women encounter. She generously imparts invaluable insights on how women can cultivate greater bravery and harness their inherent power. She's written an amazing book called The Most Powerful You, Seven Bravery Boosting Paths to Career Bliss. I hope you enjoy my conversation. With Kathy. Kathy Caprino, welcome to the Inside Out Leadership Podcast. Rob, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this so much. Can't wait. Hey, I've got to share this with you to, to kick things off. You know, since the first time you and I met, and I put this in the intro, mind you, so people are going to be hearing this a second time. Okay. But it's so good, I can't but make a public announcement about it. With you present, uh-huh. I said that the first time I met Kathy, She was as present as they come. And I said, we just don't find that every place. Like if there's one thing that this world is lacking, it's presence. And I said, the first time that I met you, I felt like there was no other person in the world that mattered in that moment and that time, but me. And I say that because I mean it. And If, you know, for me, one of the things that I have experienced and that what comes out of your mouth as you share and talk about some of the things we're going to discuss today, I feel that has a lot to do with presence. Wow. And so, yeah. And if, and again, if there's one thing that the average person, leader, human being needs, whether they fully realize it or not, it's presence. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. What an amazing compliment or observation and I take it so to heart and spirit. Thank you. But now you're not a guest on my podcast right this minute, but I have to ask you so people can learn. Do you mind? I love what, what evidence is presence to you? What, so other people, so I can learn even what, what that means, how you, how you felt that, what I did, I guess. You're a great listener. Listener. 
you're a great listener. You not only do you ask great questions, but you really hone in on what someone's saying. Hmm. You seek first to understand. And I think that has a lot to do with active listening skills and abilities, but I think that's kind of how you're wired, you're made at the same time. You know, it's kind of like, you know, some things that we're born with, but then we learn along the way. And I think it's this powerful combination that you bring to the table, you bring to each and every single conversation. And um, I've been a beneficiary. And I, I my guess is I'm not alone. <laughs> that's so kind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, along that line, I oh, my dad, you who is a chemist, he's in heaven now, used to say, good goodness, you always have to understand why people do what they do. And I think there's a reason for that. But it is a curiosity. And, you know, I just wrote a Forbes article about our interview on empathy and how, uh, you know, 82% want it, but 50% say they're not getting it in the workplace because it's disingenuous. Huh. So we dimensionalize, well, what does it look like if it's not disingenuous? And uh, I thought it was a great interview with Raj Sharma. But I think what's also missing is true curiosity. You can't fake. You can't fake a meaningful conversation. No, you can't. No, I mean, you can't. And so I think can can we just ask that everybody get 10 percent more curious, 10 percent, you know? So good. Well, listen, I, I'm pretty curious about you. And I'm sure I'm not alone because I know our listeners and our viewers are curious as well. And I figured an appropriate place to start, if we haven't started already, <laughs> is, is how about a fun fact about Kathy? Can I give you two? Um, <laughs> two things that really shape me that I think are fun as heck is um, I was a, con a competitive tennis player in high school, oh but crazily. And I went far, went to the States, la -dee -da, in New York, but then it fell out of my life. And part of that is my boundaries weren't strong. So, you know, among women, it can be anybody intensely hard to compete. And people can be mean. Mm. And I just, I kind of couldn't take it anymore. So yeah. I let it fall out of my life. But but at age, whatever, I'm I'm 63, June 2nd. Ah! And wow. five years ago, I'd gotten back into it. Not necessarily awesome. full-on USTA competition, but yeah. competitive with a lot of wonderful women. And I see the difference about my boundaries and what I let in if someone's snarky or someone's cheating, that was out. No, no, it really wasn't, but okay. Uh, so I see how I've changed to make it more fun and I love it. And the other fun fact is I'm a singer on the side. Oh my goodness. Hold on. We need two other podcast episodes. <laughs> this is like part one of three. We're going to go, we're going to do a deep dive into your book in a few minutes, but learning these fun facts, I'm like, Okay, need to have Kathy back on this one. Need to have her back on this one. But keep I'm on. there, Rob. Just just let me know when. <laughs> no, it's fun. The singing has been incredibly enlivening. I think there's for me nothing like raising your voice with others. So I'm in choirs and choral singing to make a sound like even through the pandemic, we did it virtually. So we would record ourselves mm. and then an editor put it together. But, you know, in some ways, singing has really been a, uh, saved a, a lot of tough times. Yeah. Save what I say, saved my life. It, it certainly buoyed it in very dark times. Music. Sure. 
Isn't that something? Like just a fun fact or fun facts. It lets us in because we could we could have done a deep dive about your amazing content, which we're going to, but it wouldn't really let us know the person behind the work. As extraordinary as the content that you continue to put out, the impact influence that you're having all around the world through your speaking, through your writing, et cetera. But I feel like our listeners really get a taste of who Kathy is. And so we're not going to stop there, Kathy, either. I would love for you to, not just a fun fact or two, but I'd love for you to take us into a meaningful story in your past that would, you know, kind of double down on who you are. So when we really start getting into some of your content, it's going to make a whole lot more sense. And when we begin to apply that to our lives, I think it's just going to have more staying power. So what's like a story to better get to know Kathy? I think maybe the most relevant story in terms of my work now or the person I am is here it is briefly. I had an 18 year corporate career in marketing and publishing and product management, market research. And in the beginning, I enjoyed it. But in the beginning, it was really about how to be, how do I become successful? Mm. How do I, how do I get moving here? You know, how do I make money? And then when I was approaching 40, Rob, the job and what I experienced, it, it was bumpy, bumpy, bumpy all along the way. But when I hit 40, these bumps turned into full-blown crises. Mm. What do I mean? sexual harassment, gender discrimination, toxic colleagues, narcissistic bosses. And we can talk about narcissistic personality disorder. I really didn't know what hit me. I didn't know what, what this was. Hmm. Chronic illness. You know, speaking of being a singer, I had an infection of the trachea, tracheitis. Who's ever heard of such a thing? No. Way. Every three months for four years. And I wouldn't be able to speak and it would be so painful and debilitating. And, oh, and I remember I'd be looking at my little kids who are now 25 and 28 and I couldn't speak. Nothing would come out because it was laryngitis Mm. and I would be so enraged and not understand what is going on. Zero work life balance. But waking it worse than all that was waking up every day saying, is this what I'm going to be doing with my life, but I didn't know what to do. So back then, now we're talking 20 years ago, I went to, there weren't really career coaches or leadership coaches like there are now. I went to a career counselor who had me do a battery of tests, thousand dollars worth. And this is what happened. He came back and he said, got good news. Test shows you're in the right career for yourself. And I said, what? You know, I, I'd rather poke my eye out with a stick than stay in this career one more day. And what do you mean? And what he meant was, yes, I'm a writer. I'm a marketer. I, you know, have leadership tendencies and skills. What it missed the boat completely. So I didn't make any changes, Rob, because I didn't know at 41 what I should do. So we're coming to the end here. At the same time, this toxic situation I was in as a vice president, one of the leaders said, buy the biggest home you can. We were looking for a new home. You've got a long career here. So we did. And one month after moving into that home was 9-11. And one month later, I was laid off. And, you know, a lot of people are laid off and they, most people feel like it's being kicked to the curb, even if hundreds and wow, look at today, 
I have clients who 10,000 people were laid off that day that they come to the my course. Or, mm-hmm. But I felt in a way like I cannot return to that life. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. So here the story peaks here. I'm in yeah. my therapist's office weeping. Mm. And he says, Kathy, I know from where you sit, this looks like the worst crisis you've ever faced. But from where I sit, this is the first moment you can choose who you want to be in the world. Now, who do you want to be? Now, here's the thing. If I knew that, I probably would have been on the path to that. And my mind went blank. But this is what happened. I said, I don't know. I want to be you. And we both laughed. And he said, what a great therapist coach. What does that mean to you? And I said, I want to help people not hurt people and be hurt. From that conversation, I became a marriage and family therapist. Mm. And that was the most life-changing five years of my life, three years of training, then internship. I mean, rape, incest, pedophilia, suicidality, drug addiction, and learning to sit with another human being who you may not like, Mm -hmm. a pedophile or someone who's beating his daughter, Mm -hmm. but you have to find a way to love them. Because if you sit in judgment, you can't help them. But then I found career and leadership coaching. So it's 16 years of this with women, mid to high level professional women. And there's reasons for that. Part of it is when they come to me, I can pretty much in a minute see what the issues are. Mm -hmm. Thanks to my latest book. And so that I think that might summarize a little bit of why I do what I do. So this when you got your M.A. in marriage and family therapy, how because there's people listening. And I just want to push the pause button on this particular area for a moment. Sitting across or being with someone who you may not like, and you're learning how to love them in a sense, you're learning how to listen, but you have all these preconceived notions, you have all these facts that you're finding out that are disgusting, that are... Is there anything practically that you learned in that five-year process? Yeah. Uh, What a question. What a question. Yeah. So uh, let me just break it into two. My my supervisor said, and I do want to really make this clear, find something to love. You don't have to love all of it, right? Yes. Yes. So here was the example. A guy was mandated to for therapy because he was physically beating his daughter, beating her up. So the first, I'm an intern. I'm like, what do I know? What am I doing? But so the first two sessions, I'm like, don't you realize? Then she said, you got to find something to, so the next session, let's call him Fred. Mm -hmm. I was intent on, and one thing we learn in therapy, which really was a life changer. So many things were every behavior makes sense when you understand the context. Yes. Yes. So I coming with those two things, find something to love and what the heck is the context? So I said to him, okay, Fred, can you share with me what makes you want to hit her? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the minute before you do. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, she doesn't respect me. Yeah. So there it is. Mm-hmm. And of course, he had been abused as a child, of course, meaning he had been hit. 
Mm-hmm. And his father had said, you're going to respect me. Whack. Familiar territory. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is how he thought it had to be. But then I said to him in a different way, instead of, don't you understand? I said, how is it working for you? Mm. Is she respecting you more? And he burst into tears. He knew. Yeah. Yeah. He knew. So, but first we had to change the context that I'm doing this because I, she doesn't respect me and I need her to respect me. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's an honorable idea, but he didn't know that physically abusing was going to erode the very thing he was looking for. So the practical steps are try to find what is going on with that behavior. Try to find something you both can grab onto that you both would want to work on mm-hmm. and try not to judge. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift that you just gave us there. Mm-hmm. So what do you want your legacy to be? You know, here you, you, you've had quite an experience yourself, the tw- interesting twists and turns of your own personal journey, your professional journey. And now you're, you're giving back. I mean, you're giving back by helping people all around the world, women all over the world by the things that you have experienced, the things that you have learned, you're doing extensive writing and speaking on these things. So what do you want your legacy to be? You know, you did throw me that question to think about. It's a big question. And interestingly, interestingly, I do think it changes for me, maybe even every day. And I'll tell you how, but I think the first would be imparting in the biggest way I can a lesson that I didn't understand, which is every human being on this planet is special and is amazing. I don't mean people, especially women are like, don't, I can't say I'm special. Uh, You know, I don't mean more special than him or her. I mean, everyone is special. And everyone has something amazing from the amalgam of who they are. So often people will say, I have no special talent. Yeah, I'm a good writer, but so is she. I don't mean that. I mean, from everything you learned, from how you grew up, from the languages you speak, the trials and the tribulations, what it made you, what it fired you into, how does that make you operate differently And how is that special and how is that helpful? And if we can learn that, I swear, I think rage and violence and self-hatred, so much of that will be reduced because it all comes from a lack of self-love and a lack of self-appreciation. So that's legacy one. I can never give one answer. Can I, Rob? We need 50 minutes. (laughs) Well, that's part of the reason why I love you so much. No, it's so good because you're so full. You know, you're so full. You have this deep well within you and you, your heart's desire is to give it away. And so thank you. We want to, we want number two right now. All right, number, thank you for those compliments. Number two, I just went to, the final concert of a dear friend of mine who's been a music educator in Connecticut for over 26 years. And it was his, he's retiring. And it was just this week. And it the audience was filled with loving people, friends, family, colleagues, alumni. He's a high school teacher. And it was what people said about him 
which is his legacy, they said, first of all, he has instilled in me a love of music and singing. Amazing. But what they almost all said was his kindness. Mm. And when I think about it, you know, I teach being powerful and, and I'm talking women because women struggle with this. I don't know. I don't want to be powerful because they think it's harsh. They think it's aggressive. They think it's cruel because power has been that. But I think I, I want my legacy to be, she was kind in a way that powerfully uplifted me. I want kindness in there somehow. (laughs) I'll tell you, no, I, I, you know, I, I once heard it put like this, that loving kindness from one human being to another leads us into a higher way of thinking. Yeah, that is it. So, no, I think that is admirable. It's praiseworthy. And I love it, Kathy. <laughs> are, there, are, there, are there, is there number three or four? Because I just want to hear it. So um, what else could there be? You know what? Here's another. And we might get into the spiritual realm. Why not? I really believe this, that we came here for a reason and a purpose and so many people I know say, I have no idea what that is. What what the heck is that? And Kathy, I'm not even sure I believe that. Um, yeah, I'm not here to change people's beliefs, but I would ask people to think, and I know you talk about this a, a thousand times a, a week. If you were here, if your soul chose this, yes. because I do believe that, that we have many lives and we choose, we choose the challenges well, we did. If you believed that for a minute, if you brainstormed that question, if I chose this, full of these challenges, full of sexual harassment, you know, all of it, what would have been the reason? And if I were reviewing my life at the end of it, what would I be charged to have done with this life if these were the challenges I I was given. So that's a way into purpose. There's a million ways, and I know you write about them. But that would be the third, that people recognize there is a purpose to this human life. And it's not readily apparent sometimes. The great thing about purpose is it doesn't matter your life season, life stage, how old you are. There's times and moments that each and all of us need to discover or rediscover our personal purpose. And some people might be listening, being like, okay, purpose, you know, what's that really mean? There's different words that people may even use to describe purpose. Some could say calling, some could say mission in life. But I like to go and root us to like the reason why you exist. You know, the you, can I ask you, a qu- can I ask a question on that? Yep. A lot of, I have a career path assessment that clients fill out, you know, 11 pages of questions I wish someone had asked me. And it's so, I see everything when I read them. When I ask, you know, meaning purpose, they often just give a role. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a, I'd ask you to think beyond the role. What do you think? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter of two beloved people in heaven. Absolutely. Your roles give you purpose, but I think we're beyond, we're, we're more than those roles. What do you think? 100% 100% agree. I think our purpose supersedes goals, accomplishments, titles. And it's actually, it's it's a place where I like to say it's deep calls to deep. It's the deepest place of who we are. Mm. Um, the place that words can't adequately describe or define 
what's really going on, on the inside. Um, and so that like, but yet we're comp- out of this deep place. We're compelled to move. We're compelled to serve. We're compelled to support. We're compelled to inspire. And so I agree with you. I think we can limit ourselves if we just hinge it to a, a title. Perhaps part of your purpose is to be a wonderful mom or a dad, a brother, sister, and there's purpose in that. Right. But if that's all it becomes, then let's say your purpose as a mother or dad, or dad, your oldest leaves for school, goes off to college, university. And I've talked to many moms and dads, especially their oldest. I don't know what it is about the oldest, Kathy. You might be able to give some insight on this. But when they're oldest, and let's say they have multiple children, two or three or so, but when their oldest goes off, a, a huge sense of their purpose, calling, mission goes with that person and then they're lost. Yeah. I actually see it the youngest when the youngest leaves. Ah, you're really alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so for so many, well, some people still have their kids living. I don't want to living with them. Uh, But that emptiness syndrome, it's not a cliche. Yeah. I remember when my last went, you know, I rapidly went home and cleaned everything. I don't know why. I, like I put myself to work, cleaned his room, yeah. put, you know, and then there was a deep, mm-hmm. what would you call it? Emptiness for a minute. Yeah. Not Is a it minute. A, would you, would you consider in a sense, a loss of a, an old, you know, a season coming to an end and, and then a new one that you may not even know what that holds beginning is, is it, did you kind of have to grieve that or? I will have to, you know, I can never answer your question straight. My my mother was a stay-at-home mom and believed that every woman should have children, which I don't believe. And she would always say family is is the most important. And and she became clinically depressed when I went to college. And frankly, Rob, you know, I felt guilty. And I'm not sure if she meant to make me feel guilty she just passed in March. So this is not to speak ill of her. This is what happened. But I remember saying that will never be me. And I am going to work for my entire life. And, and I'm going to work while having children. And I did like I worked till one day before having both children, you know, out to here, but that shaped me that I never wanted my full identity to be Mom, and this is not a judgment for anyone else. This is, I didn't want to live that. And I didn't want to put that on my kids. So I had a, a, you know, a full working, I had another identity as well. I think what I lost, which surprised me because I didn't think I would, I so enjoyed mothering and going to my, my kid, my daughter's beautiful dance concerts and going to my son's soccer and hockey game. That gave me a social network and joy. And we partied and, you know, let's go out for a drink after the (laughs) hockey game that we just lost so badly. There was so much, I like it. I would drive by the high school for a good straight year and see the soccer field or see where my daughter played field hockey. And there would be a, a, a little bit of a gutted feeling. So the answer is that it parenting and of course, being with them as they're growing, it's such a joy. It's such an honor. Yeah. I'm, there was a loss of all of that. And you have to, 
a parent is a parent. You're not their friend. And I still see it at age 63. I'm, I'm their parent. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we have a ball together. Yes. But you, you also are needed to parent differently. You can't parent in the same way. Yeah. Does I'll that you, answer it? That was a long-winded... How can you not have a ball with Kathy? That's a, that's a, I mean, hey, some I, people would disagree, my friend. Some people would say you don't I really know her as well that. as you need to. Calling all leaders. This is Rob Holman, and I'm sure you would agree with me, whether it's personal experience or secondhand experience, there is a glaring well-being problem in our world and in our workplaces. Matter of fact, I came across a Deloitte survey recently that revealed that almost 70% of executives are considering leaving their jobs for workplaces that care more for their well-being. Part of the same study also said that 57% of employees outside of management roles want to quit for similar reasons. Okay, there is clearly a problem here, lack of well-being in the workplace. And I love how Tiki David, a Psychology Today blog writer, defines well-being. It's the experience of health, happiness, and prosperity. It actually includes having good mental health, high life satisfaction, a sense of meaning or purpose, and the ability to manage stress. In Steps, my inside-out leadership philosophy and principles, it's all about helping provide the tools, setting you up for greater success, of embracing your unique identity, living and leading out of a place of purpose and passion, to where you remain vibrant and sustainable for the long haul. So you as an end result can better serve people within your sphere of influence. I have a couple great resources for you to seriously consider. Take my free five-minute well-being assessment to get a finger on the pulse of how you're doing in this moment and in this time. To find out more information on that, please go to www.robholman.com forward slash checkup. In addition to that, check out my books. I have three of them. The first is Lead the Way, More to Deal with Personal Leadership. The second, All In, How You Can Build and Foster Trust from the Inside Out. And lastly, and most recent book, Move the Needle, which is how you can have greater organizational influence from the inside out. All three books can be found on Amazon. Hopefully, these resources greatly encourage and inspire you on your inside out leadership journey. I'd love to wrap our arms around this entire conversation thus far. And as we wrap our arms around everything that's been shared and hold it tight, um, you know, you in and through that, holding on to everything that we just shared and more very tightly, you wrote a book back that was released in 2020 and it's called The Most Powerful You. Mm. Amazing book, Seven Bravery Boosting Paths to Career Less. Take us into that book. I mean, the, the reason why, like, could you just not hold back anymore? You know, <laughs> you're, you're influencing, impacting so many people in various ways. Was there so much tugging going on on you to be like, would you write? Enough time has gone by, Kathy. Would you just put write that darn book? Yeah, come on. Take us into that book. And, and um, because it probably couldn't have been any more timely in light of where our world uh, was back in 2020 and certainly the impact and influence it still has now three years later. Take us into that. Thank you for asking. Love the question. So it, 
here's what happened about five years ago. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, cause now I'm working with a lot of women around the world at six continents. Basically I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it was one day I said, I don't, I don't understand something. How is it possible that no matter where these women are calling from, no matter what level, financial, um, you know, status, socioeconomic level, education, title, industry, no matter what, they are bringing the exact same challenges. Now, I didn't know what those specifically were, but I said, I have to do this because I'm a researcher at heart. I want to spend the next few months understanding two questions. What is missing in their lives and careers that they're coming for help? And what is happening? What are they getting specifically from working with, with me that creates breakthrough? So breakthrough is one of my favorite words in the English language. I'm not going for a little bit of a nudge. I'm going for a breakthrough. Come you on. are not the same person Yes. before and after. So after several months of really digging in their their comments, our videos, what they're saying in the career path assessment, this is what emerged. The answer to that question, those two questions is this, they are missing the bravery to face head on what is not working and be accountable to change what they can change. But that isn't enough, Rob. <laughs> the second thing is power. The power to grab the reins and become the true author of their life. So then I said, okay, great, nice concept. What do you mean by power? How are they not powerful? So I always build frameworks and then, okay, there were 10 gaps. Uh-uh, that's too many. How many? Yes, they're gonna, their head's gonna explode. That one's a subset of that one. So it became seven power gaps. And then I did a survey because I don't want it to be only a self-selecting pool that it's only the people coming to me because they've seen a, a blog or, you know, whatever. So I put out the survey and 16 people, 16, 16, 1600 people have answered it. And the answer is this, the survey showed 98% of the respondents have at least one gap and 75% have three or more. Ooh. And I know because I had them all, exactly. when you have these gaps, you can not thrive at the highest level. You might be externally successful, but you will not be internally successful and happy and rewarded and fulfilled. So then I said, all right, now we've got to, uh, you know, to your point, when you're teaching something, you know, over and over or hearing something, you know, it's time for a book mm -hmm. or whatever way you all teach a course. Or I knew I had to write this because this is the place to start, you know, if you're going to work with me or I feel if you really want something more different and better, this is the place to start. So thank you for that. Uh, we're going to get into at least a couple of the gaps in just a moment. Before that, though, I want you to speak about, you know, why accessing, excuse me, yeah, accessing internal and external power gaps and why is power really harder for women? Because when we talk about that power, um, and I want you to just be real and raw because we have listeners, a lot of men, you know, men and women Thanks. listening, but I really believe as my eyes have been open and continue to be open and learning 
about power, um, missing power and the power gaps for women specifically. There's some things that men need to hear. And uh, so feel Thank free to speak for on asking. That. And I love it. So I learned a lot about this from an interview with Terry Reel, who's a best-selling author, therapist, teacher of um, therapists, and he and he's an expert in patriarchal systems. So let me just be clear. This is not to bash men. This is to understand that we live in a patriarchal society, and particularly when we're talking corporate America or corporations, because if you look at the leadership, you know, how many are, how many of the fortune 500 organizations run by women? Very few, 10%, 11%. So truly there's a, you know, the dominant culture is male. Okay. Take that. Then in how we're raised, even today, Rob, even today, it hasn't changed much in a patriarchal world. We split ourselves in half. There's what the masculine is taught to be and what the feminine is. So think about it, men and women listening, please think about it. The masculine, as we're taught, it is strong, assertive, confident, not vulnerable, not emotional, gets it done. If you think about what the feminine is, even listen to my voice, soft, pleasing, malleable, accommodating, not assertive, not overly confident, puts others first. Now, are these real traits of masculinity? No, they're rigid gender stereotypes. The problem is we're splitting ourselves in half, all of us, and all of us are shunning the feminine because it's not rewarded. It's not truly valued. So what happens, and I'm 63, uh, things have changed. I'm seeing it with my kids' generation. But what happens is, When women take on what are typically masculine traits, a very confident, assertive woman who who speaks her mind, there's punishment sometimes or a lot of the times there's pushback. We're called words I can't say on this podcast when my colleague here, the vice president here is doing exactly what I'm doing and getting promoted. I was once called a buzzsaw by my senior director. He goes, wow, you're a buzzsaw. I go, mm. what, uh, is that good or bad? What does that mean? He goes, you get it done. I don't think he was calling my colleague, Sam, a buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. Now you might think, well, who cares what you're being called, but there's subtle and not so subtle pressures not to be a certain way and to be a certain way that if you're in the, in, if you're in the dominant group, and that includes race, religion, even parent, when you're, you know, you're the dominant structure in a family. Um, the, unfortunately, the non-dominant, here's another piece to it. Terry saw that the non-dominant will often, even when they're being abused or suppressed, will protect the dominant culture. And there was an example of that. I was being sexually harassed. There was a, an email from the guy. And he said, senior, senior guy, having a party soon, two weeks, love to have you. Can't wait to see you naked in the pool. There Mm. was the email. And what did I do when I got laid off? I deleted it. Mm. I deleted it. I I did in the end go to a lawyer and it went very well, not about that, Mm. but other things. And he said, why would you ever delete that? 
And I realized one, I was afraid. Two, I wanted to be done. Three, I actually thought, is it fair that I didn't complain about him while I was a vice president? Hmm. Fair. You didn't complain because you would have been fired. I would have been fired. I would have been pushed out. There's no question. The guy was one of the most powerful. Um, But do you see how I was protecting him? I was worried about what was fair to him. Did that answer your question? Oh, my goodness. No, I, I as I'm listening to you. Your message, your content, who you are. It's a gift for women, but it's even more of a gift for men. Well, it really, you, really, it really you is. amazing to say that it really is like I. There's so many blind spots I have. I don't we even realize. I don't even. Yeah, we, and I know we all have. Like, unless someone who again has to be a level of trust, there has to be some respect. You know, brings them to our attention. Now there always has to be some level of receptivity, but then we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. What we've been doing for years, and. 100%. Most likely hurting other people or even stepping on other people in the process. So that's why I said that I believe that your message is just as much of a gift for men that it is for women, because we need to hear this to grow, to mature, yeah. to better lead, to better be aware of not only ourselves, but those around us. So our teams can operate and function human to human and and be as productive as we possibly can be in the process. So I just thank you for that. Oh, I, Rob, thank you I, for letting me speak about it. Yeah, I I um I want to get in before we end this conversation because I'm I'm telling you, we've got to have a part two at least at least at some point along the uh, probably much sooner than later. But I want to tackle at least a couple of the power gaps that are in your book, and one in particular. Oh, good. Give us some further insight on gap number one, which is not recognizing your special talents, abilities, and accomplishments. So whatever I'm so you- glad you chose it. <laughs> so the the research, the study showed that 63% of women struggle with this. It's it's much more than that. And I think men struggle with this too. So let me talk about it. But particularly for women. Th- we're trained not to really think of ourselves as, you know, um, special, as I'm saying, or stand out. And we're also very afraid to shine a light. Like there was a woman I had as a client who said after the sixth session, um, you know, I've helped airlines transform. I'm like, I've known you for weeks and I didn't know that. Why isn't that on LinkedIn? What? And what I found is what she said was what so many people say. I, I don't want to put it on LinkedIn in case someone doesn't agree that I did it. I said, did you do it or did you not do it? Yeah. But the p- part of the problem here is, first of all, recognizing your talents. When you have talents that come easily to you, like I like to stand on stage in front of a thousand people because I sang, you know, you don't know that that's special. You don't know that another person would rather fall down and die before doing that. So the first thing is you have to do an inventory of all those things that have made you special and unique, but that's not enough. And here's the tip I want to give everybody. Yesterday, someone was saying, a very illustrious person, you know, she leads healthcare organizations. She said, it's very uncomfortable for me to talk about what I think is a talent. And I said, why? And she said, because it seems kind of self-aggrandizing. I said, what if you reframed it like this? 
Your special gifts are the way you can be of service a hundred times more if you talk about them. So could you not make it be about shining, shining a light on me in a way that makes me uncomfortable? Can you make it, I want to be of service and impact and change people's lives, but I can't do it if I don't even talk about what I'm great at. So one tip is my TEDx talk time to brave up. I talk about this weekend, take a pad and pencil, go somewhere quiet, turn off the devices and brainstorm what I call the 20 facts of you, the 20 accomplishments. I don't care if they're, you know, you were eight and you had a lemonade stand mm -hmm. and, you know, wow, you learned you could sell. I don't care. It's what you are most proud of. I want you then to dimensionalize how would you make that happen? What are the skills and talents that you have that someone else may not have in that way that comes together, together and coalesces? Those are the skills that you want to leverage because they also bring you joy and pride. There we go. And there we go. Honestly, so many people struggle with this. And one of the things I love that uh, you indirectly said was grab your pad of paper with your pencil or pen or whatever and put your electric devices aside. Oh boy, you're telling us to do too much now, Kathy. No, it is just so needed to take that time to reflect because um, each person listening, they're going to be so happy they did so because it's so. it's a refreshment to their soul. It's an inspiration. And um, so, all right, so. so let's talk about another gap. We might only have time for one more. So okay. gap seven, I'm taking the bookends of these gaps, Kathy. Love it. Is oh. allowing past trauma to define you. I'm so glad you asked about that. I wish I had not used the word trauma because as a former therapist, we know trauma doesn't have to be necessarily that you saw someone die in front of you. It can be in when you were age 13 and your teacher called you stupid in front of or made fun of you or you were bullied. It, trauma is that that those trigger moments that actually get into your energy system that you remember and you can't shake. I mean, we all have them. We all have them. The problem is most people don't understand how what you experience in the past is alive today. I mean, if there's one comment I've heard over 16 years more than any, it's this in my courses. Oh my goodness. I didn't understand that what I went through as a child or in my family or in that first job or yesterday is with me and I can't shake it. So, you know, there's steps to this, but you know, one way, you know, you have this is if you think to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm pretty devastated over that. And that happened 20 years ago and I can't get over it. Or I would ask you to think about your childhood. What I see, this is hard to hear, but if you were in any way through authority figures or parents emotionally manipulated, if you had narcissism in, in your parents, where you had to be a certain thing to be loved, mm. you are not thriving. And what people don't understand is you are what your childhood taught you to be unless you unlearned that. Now that can be beautiful, but it can also be uh, keeping you from being who you really are meant to be. So there are steps, but one of them is absolutely, if you have a dirty little secret, like 
one woman wrote, called me and said, I have a great career. I'm making a hundred thousand and I'm 24, 28, whatever it was. She goes, the thing is I didn't finish college. And I said, tell me what that means to you. And she said, all my friends say, who cares? You're going to make a ton of money. And, and I said, yeah, well, what does it mean to you? She goes, it's, I'm ashamed. I said, how far are you from completing your degree? She said, three credits. I said, I don't think you, you maybe want to hear this, but complete your degree. Yeah, yeah. She didn't want to hear it. She wanted me to give her permission. I said, I can't make this an undirty little secret. You're telling me it's your dirty secret. So close the gap. Mm -hmm. I don't think she did. She didn't want to. But all of us have things that make us feel less than or somehow are there to tell us we're not good enough. We're a loser. I want you to heal this in any way that you can. But first, you have to be aware of it. And then typically, we need a little outside help a therapist, a counselor, coaching buddy. But it, it's time that you look at those things that have kept you from shining and flying and rising and don't do something about it. You know, I, I, um, I've never said this on the podcast. I tell very few people about it, but in light of what you just shared, I won't highlight the specific name of the individual, but, but I dealt with some trauma in my childhood that, um, it took some courage and the help of other people to kind of lift my arms up to, to take this step. But I did it a few years into my marriage, my wife by my side. Mm -hmm. um, I went to a therapist to deal with some trauma from my childhood. And it was a process. It was a process of um, me going back and reflecting on some things, some hurtful times. Uh, my willingness, again, with people in my corner that I trusted, namely my wife, wow. um, I remember leaving these times with the therapist. Um, and there was probably, you know, if I had to guess, I want to say maybe six or seven different times with the therapist, maybe an hour, hour and a half long. Wow. And there were points along where I remember leaving, hopping in the car weights that I didn't even realize were on my chest and on my shoulders. And I felt freedom for the first time in my life. And I, there were times where I would, I would cry and I would cry. I didn't even think I had tears, you know, in certain places in my life that I had tears and I didn't hold back and I just let them go. And I felt like just the tears were cleansing my soul and my identity and who I really was. To the point that after a season of time, I started to view myself and I started to view others and I started to view this individual that had hurt me as a child out of a completely different place. So now I could go to them with no conditions. I could go to them out of an unconditional place to call them, not expecting anything in return, just to call them. And actually, I could begin to say the words, I, I love you. Never thought in a thousand years I'd be able to do that. But it speaks to what you just shared and the power behind it, Kathy. So thank you for uh, illuminating that today in the short period of time we had together, because that's what came out of me. Wow. And thank Beautiful. you so much for the people and leaders all around the world that you've helped for years now. And but through writing the book in 2020 and the impact it's still having and you're having as you teach these lessons, as you teach these power gaps, um, tremendous gift. It's a tremendous gift of healing, uh, of certainly awareness, 
so people can really be who they are truly created to be with very little hindrances or barriers in the way. It doesn't mean things are going to be perfect as we no, know. Heck no. But, um, but people can begin to live and lead with a sense of freedom and liberation that they never even thought was possible. So thank you for that. So, thank you, Rob. So in closing, like any kind of closing comments or just things for people to consider in light of everything that they've heard in our conversation today? Mm. I think I would say this. You know, what you just described is what I call brave healing. Uh, I think that we are all struggling, it, it, particularly now. The, the world is very scary. And I would ask you to understand how important you are and valuable you are in this world and not to forget it. And when the times are hard, yes, you're going to feel them hard, but there is a brave healing pathway waiting. And I think that the more we can tap into, I mean, what you shared is you released the toxicity that you were holding of the anger and pain the more we can do this internal work, if you, if what Rob said speaks to you, that someone's hurt you, if we can do the work any way you can do it, then I think that we all will benefit. The world will benefit and your life will be more joyful and more free. So I hope that something within what we talked about encourages you to do the inner work, to really be more of who you are, because my goodness, do we need it today? Amen to that. Amen to that. All right. Where can people find you? Of course, they're going to be listening and I want to be able to buy the most powerful you book. <laughs> and I want to be able to get in touch with Kathy and invite her to speak, to do a training for our company, organization, et cetera. Where can people best find you? Bless you for that question. KathyCaprino.com is the big hub. I would say you can get Most Powerful You anywhere you get books. There's even an audio version that I narrated, which that's fun to narrate your own book. <laughs> and my podcast, which of course, Rob, you've been on, right? It was wonderful. I had a great experience. So fun. And we can link to maybe in your show notes, your your um, episode, findingbrave.org. And that's it. And and if you want more information on the most powerful you, and I have a video course, a live course, I'm teaching it in organizations, you can go to mostpowerfulyou.com. Love it, love it, love it. Well, I got to say this, in real time, I had so many personal takeaways from our conversation, but one that stood out, arguably above the rest, <laughs> was earlier part of our conversation when I asked, how do you, in a sense, love the unlovable? And you said something that really stood, stood out to me, Kathy, and you said, you don't have to love every aspect of who they are, but find one aspect that you can grab a hold on and love. And when you do that, you might just listen a little bit better. You just might be a little bit more present. And in, that, in the midst of that, you might just be the change agent that they need for their freedom. So I want to say thank you for that gift that you gave me. And thank you for the tremendous gift you are not only to me, but for every person on this planet and certainly all that are listening in this day. So oh, thank you so much for joining with us today. Thank you so much. What a beautiful conversation. I so appreciate it. Until next time for Kathy Caprino, my name is Rob Holman, the host of Inside Out Leadership. We'll see you next month. Bye-bye.